Hi, and welcome to Showcast. Today, I'm joined by a pioneer in the world of virtual production. Creative producer Urs Niefenegger has been surprising audiences in the live broadcast space for almost two decades. As an early adopter of virtual workflows, he's had his fair share of challenges. With a vision to extend reality using real-time motion graphics, Urs has had to fight both perceptions and red tape in the broadcast industry. He's here to share how he approaches a wide range of virtual productions that encompass all the R's, AR, MR and XR. Join us as we discuss the expanding virtual production industry, putting creativity first and Terminator 2. I'm Kat Kemsley and this is The Notch Showcast. Hi, Urs. Welcome to Showcast. Hi, everybody. So today we're going to cover a few different virtual productions that you've worked on. And I'm really excited because they span quite a few genres. We're going to talk about virtual production for awards shows. So most recently, the AIM Independent Music Awards. And you've also worked on the Pakistan Super League broadcast, which was a live sporting event. And then going further back was Einfash Himlik. I hope yeah. I said that right. Yeah, almost <laughs> Which... <laughs> sim- stick with Simply Divine. Yeah. Simply Divine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was a live concert broadcast. So you've been working with virtual production for quite some time. As What do you feel has changed in recent months? Oh, a lot actually has changed uh, because a whole industry has been pushed into this virtual production thing, extended reality, whatever you you name it. It was around before, but now it's a necessity because of the social distancing. There is a lot of demand uh, coming in. Today you're a creative producer. What first sparked your interest in animation and live events? Boo, that, <laughs> that goes back way into the 90s actually mm-hmm. originally i'm a chemistry technician so i'm not even not even close to that uh but it, i was always interested in that and just started doing it electric image was it that's where i started is is a 3d software that was famous for creating the terminator liquid guy i think it was terminator 2 or 3 that one robot that was like quicksilver looking and it was done with this package that was my first package that I ever had. What, what kind of work were you doing at the time that that made it necessary to learn animation skills? You wouldn't believe it. CD-ROMs. Oh, wow. <laughs> they don't even exist anymore. CD-what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what's the time before the internet just exploded at the same time that we were, we were doing uh, multimedia CD-ROM stuff? Yeah. And then how did that move into a career in the live events industry? You know, I've, I've, I had a friend that um, was doing light in the industry and it was always, it was a different world and he didn't want to use pre-made content that you just get with the machine when, when you buy them, like Maxidias or whatever they were called at this time. They had this library and he didn't want to have the standard content. So he asked me to start to make content for her. That gave me a big possibility to actually dive very deep into this industry. I didn't have to start with small events. I was just 
in the right place at the right time. So your starting point was in broadcast then? Yeah. True. Yeah. What got you interested in real time? I wanted to use this to extend the visuals that we were already doing for live shows. And the, the problem was that at this time, you would probably need very high-end, super pricey hard and software to get something like this going. So you would get people on board that were more on the tech side of things and not in the creative part. Um, my, my aim was to do like all the creative part in one go. That means doing the visuals, but out from the same pool, I also wanted to do this, uh, the augmented part. Yeah, I started relatively early, but there were not, there were not tools and it was, um, hard to achieve in that moment. So it, took us some more years until Notch came around, actually. So you had your vision of what you wanted to achieve yes. creatively in terms of extending the reality of um, live broadcasts and, and integrating motion graphics in a larger way or in a more reactive way. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you didn't necessarily have the technology or the tools available. So were you kind of trying out different things, seeing if it would work? Or working with different people who kind of could suggest different workflows as to how to achieve your vision? I'm for sure was talking to different people, but especially if you're in the broadcast, you know, they've done that for so many years that they can sometimes also kind of a little bit of stuck in their thing. Oh, it's not possible. It's too expensive, whatever. It, it, I really have to say, I mean, when I became aware of Notch was actually that was then the starting point because now I had a tool in my hand that I can start thinking how to implement that AR workflows. I read a really nice comment from the creative director on the Pakistan Super League yeah. project, uh, Samir Fagali. Yes. And he said um, AR was something that we had wanted to try for this event, but it was always going to be a risk because this duration of real-time AR rendering had never been done before. And I found that really interesting. So... How do you approach doing something for the first time? Okay, at this, yeah, yeah the, the, I mean, the stuff that we were doing, you know, the, the content creation and, and all this stuff was already a known workflow by that for us. Basically, we have only one month time. Let's do it. And that's how mm. I approached, we approached it like, let's do it. We will find a way. So you're kind of building up on your existing knowledge of a workflow you've already kind of developed in practice and then just rather than just going for something which seems a million miles off, it, it's just a gradual progression, I guess. Yes. I'd like to establish what virtual production is because it's kind of an umbrella term which covers AR, MR and XR. If you've got a new client who's come to you and they know that you do virtual production. They know that you can deliver this kind of project. But perhaps they've never worked on one themselves or produced one themselves. Yeah. How do you explain virtual production to that curious new client? I usually, I have prepared a presentation that I show him a bit, uh, possibilities. And first of all, we have to find out what the client really wants. 
what is his goal? Why does he want to come up with this? Uh, so we have to find out what is the best way to actually tell his story. I think that's the best approach. And then we go for either from green screen to this guy's XR to whatnot. What else is there around? And at the very beginning of a production, how do you gauge the complexity of a project before you've started it? Usually we start with um, some ideas to find uh, or, or, or how to tell the story and and then you break it down into parts and into technology, which I find, by the way, pretty important. We never was just a content studio, but now it's even more important to have people on board that really understand the technology because um, this is a big part of the creative process because you constantly have to guide the client in in a direction that we actually can achieve it at the end. So you go it two ways. You, you take the creative, what do you want to do? And, but there's constantly a technology eye basically watching what the creative side is doing, which is, um, not different than in any, any other production, but here it's even more important. Are you centering your creative design around kind of what you know will look successful technically? I think it's always in all this, it's really important that the technology is second and creativity mm -hmm. is first. And then the next thing is, is what can you add extra to have a little bit of a surprise in there? I think that's a little bit important in just not to do the technologies for technology's sake, but really add something to it. Uh, and then you have to start thinking, can we do that? And how can we do that? And which tools do we need? Because I guess for your Simply Divine project, like a lot of what was added there, like the element of surprise was kind of above the live audience. <laughs> it was really also a crazy job because we had one day of rehearsal for a show that probably lasts eight hours or something. It's, I mean, the whole thing was in itself. Long. So the rehearsals were on Thursday and on Friday there was a concert. So we had to take down everything and build it up again in the night to Saturday, Friday to Saturday. So it was not possible to have a really nice calibrated camera system there. So that's why, I mean, the director always wanted us to, you know, make, make clouds on the stage or do this. And we always said, no, we cannot guarantee, right? Because you would actually see if the tracking is not correct, you would see it there immediately because things are slipping on the floor. But if we fly everything, nobody really knows if it's going to be there or there. It doesn't matter that much. So it was a technical reason that made us doing it this way. Mm. A creative solution to a, yeah, to, to a severe lack of a, time. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that seems to be something that's recurrent in your work is that everything is such a short timeline. Usually the decisions fall in the last minute who's going to do it and with uh, what tools is, I mean, it's clear with what tools we were prepared for that, but you cannot start until some client of the client of the client, especially if you have the PSL, uh, Pakistani Super League, because there were clients of clients of clients involved that had a say and that doesn't make it go faster. And we know that in the event industry from other jobs as well, 
without XR AR virtual production stuff, but here it, it's kind of the same. And speaking of clients, when you are in the creative process of designing the visuals for these shows, how do you communicate your vision to clients? Uh, we usually do it like this. We just make render out of, uh, if we do it in notch, we make a render out of notch. If we do the preparation, the lighting and everything outside in, in, in a 3D package, we do it there and just give them, we try to give them a glimpse of what is possible. They don't always understand, but you know, many times is we hear, we hear this situation that um, somebody says, "Ah, oh, now I understand once they come on the stage and see it, what happens. And they probably didn't understand before. What do you feel is unique about working on a virtual production compared to a regular broadcast? The complications. <laughs> there are so <laughs> more, much more technology involved that has to be synchronized. So this is for me the big difference because if I have a normal broadcast, I make content and I know it's going to work. Do you guys have a separate team for the virtual production side of a live broadcast? You have to add a few crew members, skilled people on the render engines. Not every disguise operator can do these workflows. And then you need the tracking people from the cameras with the specialized knowledge. So you basically add on top what's already there. Over a year ago now, you'd experienced some difficulty in shifting perceptions when it came to workflow on a live broadcast. Do you feel that the necessity to use virtual production has made it easier to shift perceptions or, you know, encourage flexibility on existing workflows? Yes, because it's a completely different market that is interested in that. I mean, the where I tried to establish this before uh, is a broadcast environment, right? They have their very old protocols sometimes, but they're stable. So if you come in with some new stuff, they feel like, oh, we don't know if this is going to work. You know, it's this kind of feeling. But now what has changed is that a lot of companies are interested in doing virtual streaming you know, like online streams and whatnot. So actually there are different clients and they want to do better online stream than maybe their competitors. So the, the expectations are completely different. I would say we are not in this core set of technology that is approved already and there for many years. So we are kind of like saying, Oh, we need this and this and that camera and this LED wall. So it's, it's from, it's a complete other approach. We are defining what we need and it's not the other way around. Which is a good position to be in. Yes, for you. much better. Yeah. Why do you think that production companies and broadcasters are opting for virtual production as a COVID reduction method? Why? <coughs> because mm. um, the biggest problem is the spectators are not there anymore and we need to do something. I mean, that's the reason why this push happens. We have to make it more interesting than it would be. Because if we don't have spectators, it's just a general rehearsal. 
so to speak, mm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I guess, yeah, it's obvious that something's missing and, and you're missing that atmosphere. Yep. And I'd love to find out more about your most recent project, which was for the Independent Music AIM Awards. So for this project, you worked with Evoke Studios and it's an entirely virtual set environment using LED screens. And you guys created a presenter state and then also uh, some visuals for a live performance as well. Do you want to tell me a bit about this, what your process was for the presenter state first? So, yeah, we did have a look at their looks, at their print and at their web stuff, at their social media um, proposal they had, like the, the fragments and logos and everything. And our aim was to transport that very flat design into a 3D world. We made different designs until we came up with the right one that is so flexible that we can basically do everything in this one stage, you know. But once you have this XR setup, you can basically, if you, if we didn't in every case, but you can actually build the world 360 degrees in all directions. So you can actually start to play with it and even go somewhere where you actually leave the physical space, so to speak. For this production, um, you're working on it remotely. But when you were putting together the concept and working out which elements would be in the front plate and which elements the host or the performer would be able to interact with, how are you communicating this with the people on site and the client? I mean, there's a movie, first of all. There's a movie to visualize what we are doing and where is front plate and back plate. But because we did not have interaction between the uh, presenter and the front plate, so it was just okay. something in front of the of, of the thing. So the camera could make nice moves around it. Basically, you do a lot of time you do these front plate things to add parallax, reality, uh, and give the the camera people something to play with. Okay, so it's much more a tool for the camera team. In that case, yes. Mm. Yeah. And does it create the perception of depth as well? Yeah. I'd love to find out a bit more about the scene you created for AJ Tracy Feet Mostak's performance. Yeah, that was a interesting performance or interesting scene because... The basic scene setup was done for another song and the artist um, found that that's not like there was some miscommunication last minute thing and probably did not hit it on the nail that uh, we showed it to H.E. Tracy and they liked the scene, but it did not fit the song. So we had to, we had like two days to adapt the scene that we had already and implement these kind of things that they wanted, like these supersized hamburgers and um, fries and everything, like Honey, I Shrink the Kids style. <laughs> I bet it was a sleepless couple of nights putting the, that together, though. The, yes and no. I was actually <laughs> in holiday, so oh. I... <laughs> but I had, um, I had somebody helping me. Uh, doing that as I mean somebody of, of our company uh, but that meant like holiday on the phone oh bummer yeah but we all know that I, uh, we all know these kind of holidays once in a while but it was worth it I, I found it at the end it was really nice I also want to say something neg and negative but not negative in the way that it's really bad but I mean, for music performances you would usually do camera cutting switching between cameras to actually take 
the beat a little bit and make movements and everything. And I think that was uh, a little bit of a problem in the situation that we have been in, that it, we have only one camera and we were not able to switch between camera, made it actually quite static. Uh, but I think it still fits. So if you were to do a similar setup again, you'd kind of want a second camera as one of your requirements to add a bit more dynamism. Of course, it's a music mm. performance. It cannot be, you cannot do that with one camera, but it's just the thing we had. And um, for that, I think it looked good. Yeah, yeah you need to cut for sure. Mm. Okay, so this could be a really long question, but I'm going to try and challenge you to give me a really short and sweet rundown of virtual production workflow. It, it's, it's, it, there is not, I, I think there is not one workflow that I can tell you here because it's also different approaches for different projects, how we built the scenes. It's dependent on every production, basically. Yeah, we just need to be prepared so you can make easy changes later on the set and you need the experience. I think that's the magic. You are often faced with last minute cancellations from performers or changes in plan. So I guess having it in the back of your mind that you need to be adaptable and make these changes is the recipe for a successful virtual production. Definitely. As far as it, you can get, I mean, we... Um, for the Alternative Music Awards, we just basically scrapped two things we made. But that's, you know, you need to be pragmatic about that. What do you think is the future of virtual production? That's another good question. I'm, I'm asking that several times myself <laughs> and several times. I am not so sure what's going to happen with the whole music show stuff because like I said before, it's the, the spectators is really important. So that's, that remains to be seen. But I think in the corporate world, I would say that's going to stay for a long time. And, and actually, if you look what's happening in the industry at the moment, it's not only crazy on the demands. It's also crazy what happens in the, in the software and hardware. I mean, there's a great a big push that you can see. Everybody is coming into this field because the tools are cheaper and everybody can do it. And we're going to see a big push on that because you can do stuff that only Hollywood could do before. I mean, let's not say it's not, we're not there. We're not, it's not going to look so perfect, but it will look more and more perfect over the years. We're going to go some very interesting places. For someone who is interested in, in this industry, what advice could you give them? Take a look and understand the technology side, not every detail, but you would really better off taking a look at this too and get a camera. Do you think you have to have a broadcast background to get into virtual production? No, not at all. I, I don't think so. It's, it's now there. There are so much more possibilities. You, I don't think you need broadcast. It, it, of course, it helps for certain things like uh, thinking in camera cutting, but for, like cutting from one camera to the other. But maybe if you're into film, it's the same story. As I think that's about time. But thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to have a chat with me today. Thank you for the nice talk. Awesome. I'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye. You can 
check out more from us at www.dissolve.ch and studio-one.io. Head over to the Notch website, notch.one forward slash showcase to read about the AIM Awards, Simply Divine and the Pakistani Super League. Hashtag Made with Notch is going nuts at the moment. Keep sharing your work to feature on our Instagram feed at NotchVFX. Next week, we dive even deeper into the virtual production process with silent partners. Creative lead Claudine Boulanger and lead animator Patrick Gosky share their workflow for the 2020 virtual VMAs. Here's a little snippet from the show. Like it's all, the whole thing is smoke and mirrors, right? So you find, you find as many ways as you can to hide the things that don't work. Thanks for listening.